and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 127. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Phoebe Lewis. Hi guys, how's it going? And so, as you may guess by the title of this episode, this is another entry in our series for non-gamers, and this is going to be a follow-up of sorts on our previous episode regarding Let's Plays, which we will also link in the description of this episode. And so, Let's Plays, to give a quick rundown, are playthroughs of video games usually uploaded to YouTube that contain the player's commentary or insights as they are playing the game, similar to sports commentary, and that's a comparison we will make later in this conversation. But first, Phoebe, I had you watch a series of videos by Jimmy Kimmel, who is a talk show host, in which he was very critical of Let's Players and made fun of it, saying, well, if we're going to watch people playing video games, why don't we watch people watching people playing video games and made a satire out of it, which I appreciated on some levels, but I don't think reflected the passion, hard work, and genuine interest that Let's Players have in the games they play and the content they create. But one reason we have you in this series is because you are a non-gamer, so to speak. So I know our perspectives might differ, and I'm really curious to know how you felt as you were watching these videos. Well, as you said, as a non-gamer, obviously my perspective is a bit more coming from the outside. And I mentioned this to you earlier, but when I was watching the videos, I was just kind of struck by how in poor taste it seemed. I just really wasn't impressed by his humor. And I understand that a lot of humor comes from oftentimes a dark place. And that's what makes it funny because I think a lot of the time laughter comes from a place of discomfort and that's what makes things funny to a certain extent. And so you have to be comfortable with that in order to be a comedian. And I think it's useful. But when he was talking about gamers in this way that I just thought was like very disparaging, I just wasn't really that impressed. And then the second video where he apparently was trying to make amends, so he sat down with these two gamers. One was a young woman, one was a young man, and I felt like he was just goading them and not being very respectful. And I thought that was really interesting because it really showed his perspective on the gaming community. And that was interesting to me because it shed new light on his critique of Let's Plays. Because as I was watching the second video where he was talking face to face with these gamers, I thought, oh, this is interesting. This is why you were ragging on Let's Plays, because this is how you view the community. So it's more about the community than it is the Let's Plays themselves. And in your own words, what is at the heart of his criticism of Let's Plays? Why does he find them to be so ridiculous? Well, if I tell you, will you tell me your perspective? Because I'd be interested to hear that. Absolutely. This is meant to be a conversation. (laughs) Well, at the heart, that's a good question. I got the sense that he just thought that it was ridiculous that you would watch someone play a game. And what I drew from that was his understanding of gaming as a solitary experience and that watching someone play a game is stupid because the whole point of the game is that it is the person playing the game and that's it. It's simply a relationship between the person and the game and all other people who are watching are wasting their time. So that's kind of the crux of his argument that I gathered. I agree. I think he finds it to be a very passive activity and would contend that people watching Let's Plays would be better off playing the games themselves. But as I don't think many people understand about this specific medium of creating a Let's Play, some games are very hard and not every player will complete them or may not be able to accomplish certain tasks or find certain hidden Easter eggs within the game. And so it makes sense that you might watch gameplay from someone else. And furthermore, as I think many people fail to understand, 
It's not just watching someone play a game. It's receiving their input and their personality, as we discussed in the previous episode on Let's Plays. And there's a lot there. Many creators put in a lot of hard work to tell you everything about a game and also give tips on how to play the game for new players. And furthermore, they are, in essence, advertising that game, which is something we will come back to related to other articles that you and I read. But I'd like to return to the comparison to sports. For example, many Americans and people all over the world watch professional sports, and the argument similarly could be made that those people could go out and play soccer, basketball, or American football, but choose to watch it instead. And I don't think that's laziness. I think that's a very short-sighted perspective of it. I think people enjoy being spectators. There's something relaxing and enjoyable about just paying attention with your eyes and ears, of course, and not worrying about your physical participation because some people aren't capable for various reasons or might be nervous to try those activities. And it's unfair that they should be stigmatized for preferring to watch. Do you think that's an apt comparison? Yeah, you know, I'm interested by your use of the term spectator because I think, and maybe I'm speaking more for myself than anything, but when I watch sports, I watch both to see the game, but also to see the people playing the game. So you're not just watching a group of people working together to score a goal. You're also watching the different personalities. So maybe you'll have a player that you really like who really has a short fuse and you're just waiting for that moment for him to snap. There's something fun in that because you're kind of waiting to see the different personalities interact. And so I think that there might be something similar in Let's Plays. We talked in an earlier episode about how you can kind of get to know the people playing the Let's Plays. Like Stephen George and his wife Mallory, who conduct Let's Plays that we talked about in previous episodes, you can kind of get attached to the commentator in a way, the person who's kind of orchestrating the Let's Play. And I think that maybe you're right. Maybe there is a connection there in that attention to the people behind the experience as well as the experience itself. And as you might expect, the interest in Let's Playing is not relegated to isolated individuals. Many Let's Players collaborate with one another, and so they will visit one another. And much like you said, you're watching sports to see certain personalities interact or in some cases clash. There are certain Let's Playing personalities with short tempers or very specific types of humor that attract certain audiences. And it may be a digital world versus a real world scenario in sports, but at the same time, I would hesitate to say that certain digital elements are not real in certain ways because to some people, they are extremely real. And I think it's, again, very simplistic to simply shame those people and say, well, it's not real. I do have one question, though. As someone who is more involved in the gaming world than I, if you saw someone walking down the street who you recognized as a gamer or someone who sort of conducted Let's Plays that you really appreciated and followed, would you feel the same way about them as if you saw some super famous hockey player? Do you think that that fandom and that appreciation is similar or different because it's not, as you said, sort of real life in a way? It's more sort of digital and and removed. Well, I think that's a great question, and I would say maybe to your surprise that I might feel more comfortable talking to that Let's Player, even if they were not as socially or politically influential. Let's Players, which is also true of certain sports players, make a lot of time for their fans, and they will host meetups in various cities and really get to know the people watching them and often take constructive criticism from their fans and welcome feedback in a way that I don't think athletes necessarily do. They don't really care if their fans think 
that the touchdown they scored was illegitimate or certain passes they made were not the most effective because they're being paid millions of dollars, which also returns to Let's Plays. The top channel on YouTube is a Let's Players channel. He has millions of subscribers and he makes millions of dollars. And so I don't think people like Jimmy Kimmel are all that valid in their criticism because people make a job out of this, just like Stephen George and Mallory that you mentioned earlier. To move now into this financial realm, I also had you look at certain content regarding legality and that controversy, and to give a quick rundown of the history of conflicts that have arisen regarding Let's Plays. In mid-2013, Nintendo, a popular gaming company, uploaded all of their content to Content ID, which is a software program that operates via YouTube. And it was created because of a lawsuit in 2007 when Viacom sued YouTube because the content under their corporate umbrella, Viacom's that is, was being uploaded to YouTube by users. And so TV shows that people would usually pay a subscription to watch via the television were being streamed for free on YouTube, which of course wasn't good for Viacom. And so on Content ID, you can upload audio and video to this software database and it will track on YouTube if it finds a match and says, well, these images or this audio corresponds to what this user just uploaded. And that's illegal because Nintendo has claimed this content is theirs and therefore does not belong to other people. And so after certain content ID matches, Nintendo would try to remove these videos and also manually claim these videos, meaning that a hired employee at Nintendo was going through videos and actually watching them for themselves rather than allowing the software to do it. So Nintendo was taking a very active role back in 2013. It should also be noted, however, that most game developers currently encourage Let's Plays, seeing them as free promotion for their content. And Nintendo began to search for a means of splitting revenue with creators, but other companies allow users to keep 100% of the revenue because they see tremendous value in people playing their games, especially independent video game developers who might be a team of four, five, 20 people who do not have tremendous resources and therefore cannot afford advertising Let's Plays offer a brilliant solution for them. Now in January of 2015, Nintendo unveiled their Nintendo Creators Program, which is ridiculous in many ways, but the essential facts are that they wanted 40% of ad revenue for each video of a participating partner or 30% of the entire channel regardless of its content. So if you were making a few Let's Plays of Nintendo games, but the rest of your content were games made by Sony or Microsoft, Nintendo would still be getting 30% of your channel's advertising revenue, which does not make a lot of sense. And this is also problematic because other networks on YouTube give a much better ratio where they welcome you into their network and help with advertising and promotion, but only take 10% of your ad revenue. So already this was very unsettling for many creators. And finally, under this program, Nintendo would have a review time of three days which is ridiculous for people who want to cover gaming news and put out a story as soon as information becomes available, because after three days, especially on the fast-paced internet, things aren't relevant anymore. And so that review time of three days would literally prohibit certain people from being the first to catch a story. 
And furthermore, because Nintendo would have the final say on these videos, you might submit them for the three-day review after which they say, you were too critical of our content and we don't want you to publish this. Therefore, you don't get to put that video out and you won't be making money off of it. And so many creators were afraid that this might censor their content in a very draconian way. And fortunately, this fell away in 2015 and does not appear to be a viable pursuit of Nintendo's. But I remember watching video game creators in great distress. And Phoebe and the listeners listening, I know I just described a lot, but I'm curious to know what stood out to you there. Does any of that, even as a non-gamer, really bother you or strike you as strange in some way? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I think it's just really, really complicated, to put it bluntly. There's just so much going on, and it's such a sort of frontier issue in many ways, not simply because I think gaming is a very exciting and rapidly developing world, but also because this involves the internet and copyright issues to do with the internet, and I feel like that is just such a complicated arena right now. There's so much going on, and, and the internet is developing in a way that I think the law and sort of regulations are just desperately trying to kind of keep up. And so it's difficult to regulate, I think, and keep track of how things are going when, as you said, you know, three days is enough to kill a news story because it's already irrelevant by that point. I mean, that is so fast. So I think that's definitely an interesting part. So one thing that I noticed from my reading that you sent me a couple of days ago is that the issue of copywriting is not simply we own this, you can't use it. It's so much more nuanced than that. And that's the issue. It goes back to what you were saying about Nintendo wanting, you know, a certain cut of the revenue, sort of feeling like you are owed this because people are using your product. And, you know, where does the line fall between this is useful and this is stealing, et cetera. But I was just really interested by in the reading, it said that, and I'll quote here, if that's all right. In an article by Greg Lestowska, he sort of outlines the differences between copyright law and trademark. And he says, quote, from the standpoint of copyright law, ownership means that Nintendo has the exclusive right to reproduce and distribute copies of the many works that incorporate these particular characters. And so it means that owning something means that you get to reproduce it. So I think that's an interesting thing, because if you look at it that way, then yes, Let's Plays are illegal because they are reproducing and distributing characters that are owned by Nintendo. So in that way, I can see how that is illegal and that makes sense. But then he also points out, Trademark is intended to protect consumers from being deceived about the source of the goods and services that they find in the marketplace. And for me, that's the kind of switch point in this argument, because what I understand him to mean is that trademark means that someone can't consume a product not knowing where it's coming from. So let's say that someone watches a Let's Play and somehow thinks that the Let's Play person created this game. That would be an issue of trademark. But as Greg points out, no one's going to think that. No one's going to watch a Let's Play, hear the commentary, hear the person describing their experience playing the game and be like, wow, the person who made this game is so cool. No one's going to do that. And maybe that's just assuming. And so maybe it is possible that someone would be confused. But I think he has a point that people are not going to go into a Let's Play environment and expect to be sold a new game, if that makes sense. They go in to kind of experience a game that they know and see it from another person's perspective or learn more about it. And I really appreciate those nuances that you point out. I would say I think some people do watch Let's Plays to find out or inadvertently learn about a game they did not know very much about. 
as a means of advertising in a sense, which is why so many Let's Players are bothered by any legal controversy, because as they see it, they are in many ways advertising a game to other people. And I will say as a gamer, there have been titles that I would not otherwise have known about, which I ended up purchasing because of a very entertaining Let's Play. And so to me, there's a clear divide between linear content like television shows and movies, which are the same every time you watch them, even if the user experience is different, and Let's Plays, because any two playthroughs of a game may not be the same. And as I've said before, various Let's Players add production information about the game and tell you things you might not have known about its creation or conception as an artistic or entertainment idea and they give you other background information on how to play the game. And so it's not quite the same as stealing other content like music, which I do think has a very different copyright policy. And also under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, fair use is still permitted, which means that as long as you are using content for educational, critical, or similar purposes, you are protected by the law. And I find this intriguing because many Let's Plays in many ways are educational regarding the content of that game. And in other situations, a Let's Player might simply do a quick preview of that game in a news commentary fashion. And to me, that should be allowed because you are promoting something that you are excited about. And I also think it goes with the idea of free speech. As long as you acknowledge the source of the content you are critiquing or portraying, I think you should be allowed to do that. It's interesting that you use the term free speech because that made me think about citing sources in an academic paper because definitely you critique works in an academic paper and you will lift words from that source and you will put them in your paper and you will quote them and you will put the citation and that is okay because you are framing it within your own words and also giving credit where it's due. And I wonder if it might be sort of similar with Let's Plays. So I know that there are quite a few games that you and I watched Let's Plays of, including Her Story, which I still remember. It was so cool. And I wouldn't have known about that game without Let's Play. And so it does have a valuable use in advertising games that may be less available to the general public. And then I also had another question, which maybe you can answer for me. Do video game developers like Nintendo ever pay or support Let's Players to play their games? That's a very good question, and while I'm not aware of companies paying individual Let's Players to play through their games, there are absolutely circumstances that Let's Players are very candid about in which they are sent copies of games, either before release or at the time of release, to play through it on their channel because the video game developer would appreciate that promotion. And as a Forbes article by Paul Tassi mentions, YouTubers marketing content about games is a win for all three parties involved. YouTube gets views and sells ads on popular channels. The content creators get a portion of that revenue. And Phoebe, as you had just mentioned, developers have more people talking about and buying their games. And at the risk of beating a dead horse and mentioning content like movies and music, someone might watch a movie illegally uploaded to YouTube for free and never pay for it. And indeed, the various producers of that movie are losing money as a result. But with Let's Plays, as I'd said for myself and I think is true of many people, 
if the content speaks for itself, and in certain cases, the creators positively add to the content with entertaining or humorous commentary, they will encourage people to try out or research those games, which is beneficial in the long run to the game developer. And as a final point of philosophical exploration, so to speak, you just referred to an academic context in which you quote and properly attribute credit to the correct literary source, And I was thinking earlier today that about a year ago, for our English major, you and I were required to read various texts in the quote-unquote canon, which is a conversation for another day. But one of those texts was Absalom Absalom by William Faulkner, which is one of the most complicated things I've ever read. And I enjoyed it, but admittedly didn't understand it at parts. And you might say, Kip, this has no connection to Let's Playing whatsoever. But I would respond that certain narrative games like Gone Home, which you played for another episode in this series, that are very narrative-based, can often become very convoluted and complex or offer branching paths in which different players will reach entirely different outcomes. And similarly, I think that certain texts, by which I mean artistic or in certain cases literary creations by individuals, are worthy of discussion. They are not meant to be consumed in a vacuum because as people in our social habitat, We benefit from discussion and mutual exploration, much like these podcast episodes. Do you think that that's one benefit to Let's Playing that maybe people like Jimmy Kimmel do not appreciate this aspect of mutual exploration and in the case of confusion, explanation? I really like your reference to Absalom Absalom because I was similarly quite stumped by that. But I think your point about the diverging narratives is really on point there because Absalom Absalom is all about the different perspectives on one singular moment and how sort of attempting to create a truth that is based on your perspective means that you're inevitably going to be creating something that is entirely subjective and that finding an objective event or defining an objective event is eventually impossible. Yeah, I think that Let's Plays are sort of in a way similar to that in that Let's Plays are all about the individual experience. And yes, everyone will be playing the same game, but not everyone is going to go through the exact same steps to achieve a certain goal. Not everyone is going to have the same reactions. And I think that you're right. I think that video games maybe should not be played in a vacuum because... Even a book, which may seem like a very solitary experience, is not solitary because even if it's only one person reading it, you're reading it with a whole history of people having read it behind you. And so if you get curious and you read some criticism, you're no longer reading alone. And I would argue that anyone who reads a book or engages with any media is not doing it in a solitary fashion because I think that it's impossible to consume media completely in solitude. And before we close this episode, I'd really love to know what you want the audience to continue thinking about, especially non-gaming listeners, as it relates to some of the controversy surrounding Let's Plays that we've discussed. I would say I would give you guys a challenge, which is watch a Let's Play and then watch the Jimmy Kimmel video about him bashing it and see how you feel. Because I think that it's really easy to kind of get on that bandwagon if you don't know the video gaming community and just sort of assume that Let's Plays are silly and not worthy of our attention. I would encourage you guys to maybe watch one and see how you feel. And I bet it'll probably be different than you're expecting. And then maybe that'll help you view the criticisms in a different light. Because it definitely changed my mind having watched Let's Plays before and then and seeing his criticism, I felt like I could actually kind of respond in a way that was more informed and definitely made me feel like I was engaging with it more. Also, just one quick thing is I think that it might be useful to examine how Let's Players might be artists in their own right. 
and how they're creating something new rather than something derivative. I think that's a very valid point. I would love listeners to think about the legality and whether or not you agree with what the law states or does not yet state as it tries to catch up with this new medium. And furthermore, would you agree with the stance that Nintendo took? And I would remind you that it's very much on its own. Many other developers and creators such as Microsoft, Sony, and Ubisoft and other very popular developers absolutely encourage Let's Plays. And I know that this topic might seem alien to some, but I hope that we have illuminated it, especially for non-gamers, as they are the intended audience of this series. And Phoebe, as a non-gamer, I'd like to thank you again for coming on and discussing this with me. No, thank you. I always have a great time talking with you. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, feedback, or input of any kind, please reach out to us. You can contact us via Twitter or Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. And you can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.